and welcome to Mountain Talk. I'm your host, Mimi Pickering. This episode is part of WMMT's Making Connections News, a series highlighting opportunities and challenges for diversifying Appalachia's economy and renewing our communities. On this edition, we're listening in to three interviews that David Butler, host of the Clean Power Planet podcast, did with folks from the New Energy Internship Program for Eastern Kentuckians that is being run by MACED, the Mountain Association for Community Economic Development. First, we'll learn about the program from Rachel Norton, a residential energy specialist at MACED. Then we will hear from Frank Morris, who interned in Hazard and now has a job as an energy auditor at the Housing Development Alliance. And then John Kraft, who is finishing up an internship that is focusing on commercial energy efficiency. So my name is Rachel Norton. I'm a residential energy specialist, and I work at MACID, which is the Mountain Association for Community Economic Development. I'll just keep calling it MACID now because that's a mouthful. Um, but I was I started working there in 2016. My family's lived in Lexington since I was about six or seven years old, So, and I've been there ever since. You know, what, what did you think you wanted to do when you grew up? That's a great question. I mean, personally, I was always just really interested in nature and animals, and I was always running around outside. Um, I'm kind of a horse nut. I have a horse today, so I've always um, been a big proponent of the environment. Uh, when I got to college, I did go to the University of Kentucky. Um, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I was kind of always a math and science kind of kid. Um, so I was looking for something that would let me use those skills, but get to be kind of um, out in the field as much as I could. Um, but I also like um, interacting with people and being in office settings as well. So I was looking for something with a good balance. So I ended up getting my degree in biosystems engineering at UK. Um, and that's kind of where I got pretty excited about energy systems because that seemed to really um, connect my passion for the environment with work that I could do to improve um, the outlook for what that environment like <laughs> might look like in years to come. Um, and by the time I was in my third or fourth year at UK, I realized um that the work that I wanted to do would make a lot of sense in Kentucky, that I could make some of the biggest impact doing that by staying here and doing this type of work. Once I learned about um, MACED, I actually learned about them through um, an organization called Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, or KFTC. Um, I had started um, getting involved in activism and I was really interested in the Empower Kentucky plan and just like the people's plan for what we wanted our energy systems to look like. That really intrigued me. And so I got involved with that. And then I met Chris Woolery, who uh, works at Mason, and he encouraged me to apply for the job. Um, and I, at first glance, I just like didn't know much about community economic development. I wasn't sure if that was, um, if I was right for Mason or if, um, if that would work out. Um, so I actually, before I applied, I I learned about the residential energy efficiency work that he did. And I decided, well, maybe I can just make my own business out of this. Like if this progressive energy job that I want doesn't exist where I live, maybe I can just start. Um, so I did, um, I did file for an LLC 
back then it was called Rachel Saves the World, um, which I, I still have that website, but it's not up and running. Um, but you, have, on the, I think on the homepage of that website, you're wearing a cape. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I went like all the way. I was like, let's do this. Yeah. I still am. I just am a little less corny about it. Um, and uh, so I, I got my uh, BPI certification. Um, that's the uh, Building Performance Institute. So I um, am certified as a building analyst. And, um, and I bought a blower door, which is a big device that you use to measure the leakage in a home, the air leakage in a home. And so I was kind of like ready to start, even though, I mean, I still, I, as I get further into my own business, I still am amazed at how little I know. It's just so much, so much work. Um, so as I started to hit that wall, Chris Woolery reminded me again that there was a position open at Mesa doing that type of work. And, um, and so I applied and then I ended up at Mesa and I'm, that's awesome. yeah, I'm so, I, I've just learned so much about community economic development, about finance and general economics that I didn't know about. Like all of my coworkers are just so intelligent in so many different ways. So it's been just working there has been an incredible learning experience. Yeah. Describe when you're talking about this progressive energy job that you wanted to get, yeah. what what would that be? What does that look like? I guess at the time I didn't know. I just knew that the work that I want to do isn't maintaining the current system. I want to be creating the next system. Okay. Um, I, like I always say, like I want to build the new machine um, kind of a thing. And um, so I was just trying there's just a lot of opportunities for engineers to maintain current systems and um so I was I was really glad to find Mesa because I feel like they are in fact working in creating new systems and creating new like creating a new landscape entirely and networks of people to work in it. And um so they have a, a lot of different programs. Um I work in a in a few of them in the energy sector and um one of the ones that um that is taking up probably most of my time at this point is the new energy internship program. And um, not only are they training people to do this type of work throughout eastern Kentucky, um, but they're connecting them. And we're creating kind of this ecosystem of people that have specific skill sets and can also inform each other and can start building this network of people that are informed around energy efficiency, that understand the opportunities we have, um, both for social impacts as well as economic and even health impacts. Um, so I think that's been a really, um, like holistic view of how can we change how this is working in our state right now. So in terms of, um, like day-to-day activities or job descriptions, what would these interns be doing? So that's the cool part about it is, um, when we got this grant, uh, through the Appalachian Regional Commission, um, we, uh, we were charged with 12 interns but that we had we had a lot of room for what they might be able to do um as far as the structure of their internships so we've had two folks go through the program so far frank morris and randall howard that both got placed at organizations um so those organizations had um six months of their salaries paid for and um and while that was happening they were going through certification processes and on the job training as well um so they um, sorry to yeah. interrupt, but so so they got placed in the places where they're 
where they would work after the internship yes. right off the bat. So they're kind of right. they're learning that organization. Yeah. At the same time that they're getting the skills to do their jobs, right? Yeah, and they um, they started back in um, the fall of 2017. Um, so uh, and they actually went through together. So those organizations kind of like have a good lifeline to each other now, which they they already had a, a relationship of sorts, but now they have somebody in each organization with um, close ties to one another to share the latest um, things that they've learned and to call each other if they hit a weird problem. Um, and then the two that we have that are about to finish, um, John Craft and Scott Shoup, uh, are actually about to start their own energy efficiency enterprises. So they have gone through um, additional training in order to help them um, be successful in their business and um, they will be doing commercial energy efficiency primarily, but they've also gotten training for residential if they want to be like we wanted to them to be as diverse as possible or as, as they would like. Um, so they'll be starting their own businesses. And um, the really cool thing about that is um, Mason will be able to work with them in the future. So instead of having someone from Mason and Berea drive all the way out to an enterprise in eastern Kentucky, someone like John or Scott could go do data collection, we could pay them and then write up a report or there's a lot of different opportunities like that, but it's also helping us in the future to have those businesses here. Right. And they're kind of role models for other people in the region too or yeah. can help spread by word of mouth. The yeah, definitely. Potential. And um, I think it was Scott and I were talking the other day just about how surprising it is, how little people realize the um, impact energy efficiency can have. Like it's still something people are learning about and there's still a big opportunity. And I totally relate to this because as I learn more about it, I'm like, oh, people know, like people probably know a lot of these things. But I still run into people that are like, oh, I just got new windows. Isn't my house so much more efficient? And I'm like, I hopefully like maybe if you had really 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 leaky windows but um it's the window industry totally cornered this myth that buying new windows would make your house more efficient and it's probably the least likely to pay back in savings of anything you could do at this point and the crazy thing is it's there's really simple and inexpensive things you can do to save a lot of money like air sealing and insulating um so I think they're going to be huge um, influencers and educators as well, for sure. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, windows are super expensive too, right? Yeah, they're so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm considering boarding mine up, actually. They're so leaky. They're really horrible. Really? Oh, well, you can just – the great thing is usually you can just take a tube of caulk and caulk around the frames, caulk around the inside yeah. of the frames, and you never know. You can get a lot of a lot of savings from just sealing up with – with cheap um cheap cock good yeah. and it'll be more attractive yeah and then it'll <laughs> yeah it'll have nice lines around it it'll look so nice yeah mm -hmm. so rachel sounds like you're pretty busy you've got um this really interesting job with Mayced, and um you have your own energy efficiency company yeah what do you do in your spare time i'm a full blown energy nerd that's for sure um and i my 
community back in Lexington has been discussing um, solar energy and how we might encourage renewables in Lexington. And so we have started this initiative called Solarize Lexington, where uh, a bunch of volunteers, yourself included, um, have come together in order to create a bulk buying program to give people access to a 15% discount for solar panels. And um, we're really hoping that this will increase the amount of solar in our city. And um, we're excited because uh, we've like we understand that solar begets solar. So as as more comes into the region, it's kind of a ripple effect. And um, um, by working with Indiana and Ohio and West Virginia, we've learned that it's been successful in other locations also. So not only are we hoping that. We have success in Lexington this year, um, but we're hoping that other cities in Kentucky pick this up and it grows across our state. Um, so uh, if you're interested in doing that, I mean, I, yeah, I hope other other places, especially in eastern Kentucky, might start their own solarized campaigns. Yeah, it's not it's not really that much work. I don't think it's been, um, you know, a huge time investment for our little volunteer group. And I think next year we could do it really easily. Yeah, right? now that we know the system, we've got it down. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's fun. And I think the more people that have solar, then the more people there are to support um, friendly solar policies. And right. Kentucky has very few of those. Maybe we have one. Yeah. <laughs> one friendly solar policy, which is our net metering policy which is under attack, under attack yet again. Right. And I know you're involved in, in that fight. Yeah. So can you talk about that some? Yeah. Um, it is, it's, it's frustrating to see this happen a third year in a row. And um, I think uh, when I first came into this fight, the most frustrating thing about it was that there is an agreement that solar net metering itself will be, um, will be looked at, reconsidered, I guess, when 1% of a utility's, base has the solar net metering with solar PV on their roof. And um, as I understand it, we haven't even reached a tenth of 1% at any utility across our state. Is that right? right? Yeah, I think Uh, that's right. So it just seems a bit, um, it seems a bit disingenuous or premature, like, or both of those at the same time for utilities to start uh, being concerned about it when there's actually a fail-safe already provided for. Um, and it just definitely makes me look at the utilities a little sideways, wondering um, wondering why now um, when, this is po- when this is something that we planned for. Um, and it makes me think that not only do they understand the benefit of solar, but clearly they understand the investment opportunity, because many of them have made investments in solar farms across the state, um, which I think is a positive thing. But I think that we should also be able to make investments in solar and um, be fairly uh, uh, not reimbursed because you can't get a check in the state, but at least be um, uh, be provided that same opportunity so that our investments work in similar ways um, because these investments benefit our communities and our environment and the energy landscape and uh, I don't think there should be a monopoly on that opportunity. Right. I think that we're in an interesting moment. Um, I 
like knowing that consumption across our state is flat to declining, a lot of utility companies are starting to file for rate increases, which they do on a regular basis as is, but like rates are driving up. Um, and I think that there's a lot of concern on the utility side. Yeah, for a lot of reasons. I mean, their business model is under threat. Especially, um, I mean, I'm speaking specifically towards investor-owned utilities. I mean, I don't. I'm thinking that their rate of return. I was at the KU, the LG and KU rate case in Lexington the other night, and I'm thinking that investors requested a rate of return around 10%, which is crazy for me to think that you can ask for a rate of return for your money and have it. Um, automatically be given to you. Right. <laughs> have it guaranteed. Yeah. I don't think that that's something, I, and I still have a lot to learn about finances, but I was like, I don't think that that's something that many other investments have at all. Um, so it just, it does, the whole system seems a little out of whack. And well, most, um, a lot of investments, um, you know, don't have any guarantee right. of a rate of return. It's a risk, right? Let, let alone a 10% guarantee. For sure. Okay. So we're yeah. all on the same page on that front. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think that, and I would, I, what I would really like to see is I would like to see utilities having more community meetings, encouraging public discussion about this, and also being open to reconsidering what this model looks like for our communities. Because I, I think they're going to be I think that they realize they could be in a tough spot in a couple of years. If our loads are flat to declining, um, then they're not going to be making the, these this 10% that they're supposed to be guaranteed to their investors. Um, and uh, oh, I'm losing my train of thought. I guess that unless they continue to increase rates that our, our communities can't support, then they're going to have a really bad situation on their hands, and so are we. So I think that instead of like fighting over legislation and policy, I just really like to see more um, active conversations and preemptive conversations, and see what we can more like talk about more creative ways that we can address these things, like on bill financing. Um, which Mason provides a program for as well, a program called House Smart Kentucky. It's a great way for people to combat rate hikes or give people an option um, to figure out how to save money while also um, addressing these rate hikes for their budgets. Yeah, explain what on-bill financing is for people that don't know. Right. So on-bill financing is the opportunity to finance energy-saving retrofits on your utility bills. Um, this is only offered in a select few rural electric cooperatives right now that Mason partners with. Um, but the great thing is, is it's a program that guarantees savings and guarantees a cash flow. We're actually bound to save you 10% of what you'd be paying monthly on your energy bill, which is um, the average, so an average House Smart Kentucky job right now um, has an upfront cons or a cost, total cost of $7,500. And it's um, the average savings of a job is $50 per month. And then the average cost or payment is $38 a month. So it gives you $12 in your pocket each month right away. And then once you've, um, after the life of the commitment, which is usually 10 to 15 years, then you just have that $50 savings. Yeah. Um, 
So it's a great opportunity, and especially as if as we see rates increase, we'll only see savings increase, and there be even a like a wider opportunity for something like this. So I haven't seen an investor on utility take this on yet, but if if they're not going to sit down and talk to us about other options, I'd really like them to at least start considering some ways for people to um, to react to these rate increases. So in this on-bill financing situation that you're describing, basically the homeowner saves more money than the loan payment. Yeah. And the person who's financing the program, who's loaning the money, mm-hmm. they get all of their money back and they get interest back. Yeah, 3%. Um, and so it's not a grant. It's not coming out of tax dollars right. or, or anything. Um, I actually do have to say one thing. This program, um, it's based on a model called pay as you save, and it's not a loan. And that's something in the IP okay. that I have to be clear about. It's an investment mechanism. Okay. Um, and so it is actually gives um, provides the ability to make an investment on the meter of a home. And the cool thing about that is that it doesn't stay with a person. It stays with the location. Right. So even if you're going to move in four years, right. it's still worth your while exactly. to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's important. So everybody wins in this scenario, mm-hmm. except maybe the utility who does not want demand to, to if decrease. they don't want demand to decrease, if they're not looking in at the long term at, you know, helping their customers um, be financially well, mm-hmm. and they're only looking at making sure that they're selling as much electricity as possible, they're potentially losers in that. Scheme. They could be, although um, if they are the holders of such a program and they're getting that three percent return, like they are also, yeah, um, they are have the ability to make some money off of it. So um, it's also an opportunity to address that in some ways. But I I can't speak to the balance of that yeah. right now. But in any event, the yeah. investor-owned utilities are not doing that. At the right, moment. they right. are not. They're not even offering <clears throat> energy efficiency like a lot of energy efficiency programs um the basic ones have been cut and like ku is no longer offering energy audits at all solar is another good point i mean it's just when you see the rate hikes the movement towards a like a larger monthly base fee and the attacks on solar net metering all happening at once literally in the same month (laughs) it just definitely points to this idea that utilities want to have control over this they want to have control over renewables they want to have control over their rate of return in a very distinct way and they don't seem to be caring how much this is going to impact people um because they have no options for energy efficiency yeah so they're saying like all right pay more pay more guaranteed it's less likely that you're going to be able to afford solar and we're not giving you any options to lower your bill I think that's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very disheartening. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. All right. Well, enough doom and gloom. Yeah. So let's uh, let's end on a positive note. Tell me something. Um, we've talked a lot about the the good things that Mason is doing in yeah. the region. Oh, sure. I mean, the good thing is we're still living in a moment where we have a lot of opportunities. And um Mesa is taking those opportunities very seriously and investing in solar um, in 
across the eastern Kentucky region, but specifically in Letcher County. Um, they've deployed over $500,000 on in solar projects um, in these communities. And um, it just kind of going to show that solar works for all Kentuckians. There's this myth that it's just for wealthy people, but um, it's helping people in community centers and nonprofits and churches and homes all across the state. And um, and we're seeing those results and we're taking them seriously and investing our dollars in them. Um, so we're really excited about those projects and um, I'm excited about all these new energy interns. They're going to do great work um, and uh, I'm excited to get, get the word out about all of it. Awesome. Uh, my name is Frank Morris. Um, I work for the Housing Development Alliance in the Appalachian Heat Squad. Um, with Appalachian Heat Squad, I am a residential energy specialist. And at the Housing Development Alliance, I am a rehab specialist. Okay. So how long have you been doing that, Frank? I've been doing that for about two years now. Yeah. And um, what is, tell us about the Heat Squad. That's a pretty good name. The Heat Squad is, um, it's Appalachian Heat Squad. It's a... Fahi got it started. Um, it's based in Whitesburg, Kentucky, Hazard, Kentucky, and Harlan. We cover most of eastern Kentucky, and we are looking for ways to save homeowners money on their energy bills. Okay. Through Appalachian Heat Squad, we'll do um, one or two a month. Yeah. Um, with the um, other work that we do that's focused towards low income, we'll average four to five of those a month okay. just depending on the repairs how do they how do they pay for the improvements do they have to so go into their savings or how does that work there's different funding options we have people that pay us straight out for it for the energy efficiency work we also have people who do it through a loan appalachian heat squad actually is loaning out money to help with the retrofits um they're loaning out at 4.5 percent interest for, for over 10 years so it's very affordable for for about everyone yeah um, and if they fall into another category we can always work through them through other programs and find funding for it we done a home for a guy who works at the ambulance service his wife works at the local hospital yeah um we went out there done the audit um end up replacing his heat pump, do duct sealing, air sealing, adding a nest thermostat. Yeah. Also we ended up putting a new roof on his house. Wow. While we was out there, you know, um I hopped up on the roof because something I forget oh the tree limbs was touching it. So I hopped up there because, you know, a lot of times homeowners, you know, it's difficult for them to get up there and stuff and I was just gonna cut them back. Well while up there I found rot and found a couple other places that worried me. Took pictures of them, took them back down there, and was like, listen, I can do everything, plus I can do your roof, too. Yeah. And that, so, that's a pretty big uh, big deal for somebody, you know, to not yeah. have potential roof leaks starting. It's huge. Yeah. So how would you learn to do all this stuff? So um, I had an opportunity to be an intern through Mason for their new energy program. And... Um, it opened up so many doors for me. Um, you know, they paid for all my BPI training. Um, they paid my salary at the Housing Development Alliance for six months. They helped pay that for six months. 
Um, anytime I had a question, they was there. Um, when I needed help on an audit, um, Mace had made sure Rachel or Chris was there to support me in any way they could. So you actually got paid a salary for six months while you're learning to do this stuff? Yes. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. At the point in time that the internship came open, I was actually running a small business, small construction business on my own. Uh huh. Um, the internship gave me stayed, it gave me a stable income. Right. You know, so it allowed me to focus on energy efficiency instead of being out here trying to sell a job for somebody. Yeah. To, to somebody. Like, is there a whole array of of uh people in different financial circumstances or um like um it's just anybody that signs up so it's open to anybody is that it's open to anybody um we do lawyers doctors houses we do um grandma's house uh -huh. we do um we do the house you know it doesn't matter the condition of the house, we can improve it. Yeah. And do you have some of the people you help, are they people that are just like they're barely making ends meet? And Yes. And you see, that's where you see the major difference at is, mm -hmm. is your lower income clients. Um, the big kicker is, is with all the rate hikes and stuff that's happened, you take from 2009 till now, it's about a 47% rate increase. Wow. That's huge. 47% in nine years, yes. basically. And if you take the same number on the base fee, it's even greater. It's like 137% increase. Yeah. And, I mean, it really hurt, affects the low-income market. Yeah. Um, You know, you have people out here deciding, well, do I pay my power bill or do I buy my medicine? Or do I pay my power bill or do I buy food for me to eat? That's and not a good decision to have to make. No, it's not a decision that I would ever want to make. Right. But you have folks out here in that situation. Yeah. It's nice to have a job where you're helping people every day. And you're you're making a difference for them in a pretty permanent way, right? Like once you cut down their energy bill, month after month, that's money they're not going to have to spend. And as the utility prices go up higher and higher they're saving even more money yeah it's an awesome feeling man there's nothing like coming into a house that was cold and drafty and when you leave that house you know you've left that house in a better condition than you found it i helped a little lady out in Cutchin. um she came in she was low income amazing sweet lady yeah like like she puts you in the mind of your grandmother uh-huh and she came in, and her heat pump had went down. She didn't have no heat. Winter was coming on. So I go out, and we do an audit in her home. We find a couple other issues. I'm sitting here talking to her, and she's upstairs, and I'm downstairs. So I naturally go upstairs, you know, talk, to finish talking to her. I said, well, come down here and look at this, and let's talk about this. She said, if you'll hold my hand down the steps, I'll come with you. And I said, Okay. So I got her down there and was talking about a couple other energy and retrofits and a couple other things we could do for her. And I said, I said, um, ma'am, if you don't mind me asking, I said, why did you want me to hold your hand while we came down the steps? She said, Frank, I fell down these steps 10 times this year. Oh, my. In one year. In one year. I said, Lord. 
And um, I went back to the office and started thinking. Because she had one of those houses that you see from time to time. That the top part of the house was the living quarters. You had your living room, kitchen, um, and bedrooms upstairs. And downstairs used to be the garage. Oh, okay. And I was like, she honestly, if something happened, she couldn't get out of that house. Yeah. So we was able to do a bunch of energy retrofits to her home. We ended up putting on a brand new heat pump, doing a little bit of duct sealing, doing some air sealing, and we had enough money on the table through another funder that we ended up putting in a chairlift. Oh, that's great. So now when she needs to go downstairs, she hops on that chairlift and rides it right downstairs. And so, you know, everything was done. So I was coming back a couple weeks later to close out the job. And I pull up and she said, Frank, I've been dying to see you. I said, have you? She said, yeah. I said, so how's everything doing? She said, you have changed my life. She said, you have gave me my life back. She said, I ain't even talking about how much more comfortable my house is. You actually end up giving my life back to me. That's got to be a great feeling to help people like that. And it's, you know, probably very rewarding for you. But it's also a completely different kind of thing than what you used to do, right? So what what's most of your career been? So I started out, you know, I went to high school. Um, and I went straight to the coal mines. Worked in the coal mines after high school. Um, ended up going to diesel mechanics school and getting my certificate in diesel mechanics and going back to work, you know, back on the strip job as a mechanic. Uh-huh. I thought this was going to be what I'd done for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, making great money. You know, I'd worked underground from time to time, especially when things would get slow or something, you know, I'd go underground. But most of my career was spent on the surface working as a mechanic and um, when the coal business went bust was when we ran into problems. Yeah. Um, I went from, I lost my job as a coal miner. Yeah. I couldn't find work anywhere that paid anywhere close to what I was making. Mm-hmm. Luckily, you know, we didn't lose as much as other people. You know, my wife was working. Yeah. And had a, great job but we lost quite a bit um i ended up having to find work at walmart okay and, and they're, I they're at, not paying you as well as the coal mine <laughs> no we're close yeah no we're close i mean no we're close so i went to work for walmart um i worked up there for a year and my wife ended up pregnant okay we ended up having her son while i'm still working at walmart that's tough. It was real hard because if you've ever worked at Walmart, you know you you don't have a fixed schedule. Right. You work when you when they tell you to work and that's it. And you hope and pray you get somewhere close to 40 hours a week, which is never. Yeah. And do, so do they they try they kind of try to keep people under 40 hours a week is that yeah, most is that the impression time. you had? Mm-hmm. Did you have benefits with them? No, I didn't have no health insurance. Yeah. So uh, definitely the coal jobs have been some of the best jobs in this region, would um, you say? When I was in school, either you went to work for the mines or you went into the medical field. Okay. 
And why do you think there's just there aren't a lot of other opportunities here? I mean, I know it's a complicated question, but you know, like I, you know, it comes back to what people, you know, my papa was a coal miner. Yeah, a lot of my uncles mined coal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one thing I know. Yeah, like I said, I was fresh out of high school, and I went to work in the mines, making sixty k a year. Yeah. With no education, you know, a high school diploma. Right. That's a pretty good deal. It was an amazing deal. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to pass that up and go to school when, you know, my papa retired from the coal mines. I've had uncles retired from the coal mines. Yeah. I thought it was going to be here. The community was dependent on coal, you know. And until we diversify away from coal, Eastern Kentucky is going to go boom or bust. Yeah. How, how do people here feel about the war on coal and and say the you know the promises to put the coal industry back i can't speak for everybody here but sure that's good fair point um you know i don't i've not seen the coal industry grow yeah not the way that was promised to eastern kentucky and to the coal miners i've not seen it actually first and grow if anything i've seen it decline a little bit more if coal is not gonna magically come back or a miracle happen to that some way coal booms again. If we doesn't if we don't diversify our economy here through the coal region, these little small towns like Whitesburg and Hazard and Harlan, they're gonna die. Would you like to see your your kids uh work in coal mining when they get older? If my son picks up a coal shovel, I'm not smacking with it. <laughs> I mean, I just don't see a future there. So yeah. why should I encourage or want my kid to work where I don't see a future? Yeah. Do you not see a future because of the regulations and the pressure, or do you think that we just need to get away from coal? I think we honestly need to get away from coal. We need to find alternative sources of energy to break that demand that we have on coal. And I'm not saying we need to put every miner out of work. I'm not trying to say that, but we need to start phasing coal out and bringing other industries into the area to help. Yeah. Well, I sure hope that um, that the region can kind of find some new industries. And I think, you know, I've heard a lot of talk about bringing renewable energy in. Um, do you think there's some promise for that? Renewable energy is an amazing is an amazing feature. We built a house that was purred by solar. One of the first houses HDA built that was solar purred. The homeowner honestly has a twenty dollar a month electric bill. That's it's great. Unheard of around here. Well, a lot of people will say that you know, the very first thing we should do when we're switching to a clean energy economy is work on our energy efficiency. Yeah. So that's pretty nice that you've, you know, you've gone from from working in possibly the, you know, the fossil fuel industry that produces the most greenhouse gases to switch into a job now where you're helping people conserve energy and reduce the amount of greenhouse gases and and save money. It's a 180 from what I used to do and the impact that I have on people's lives. I look forward to going to work now. I'm happy when I come home. The thing about it is, is I spend so much more time 
at home with my son. It's priceless when you see your, see your child grow and you're there for those moments. Um, the future of the area, if I can keep on doing what I'm doing and working with the organizations that you know that help us do our jobs day in and day out, is the region's growing, you know. The region's gonna come back to life. It's gonna boom. You just gotta put the effort in. My name is John Kraft, and I'm one of the new <clears throat> energy interns with Maysed uh, in Perry County, and I am part of the E3 program, which is energy efficient enterprises, which means that uh, what we try to do is uh, go into small businesses, do energy evaluations and audits and determine where they're spending money that they don't need to spend on their energy bills and correct those problems so that they can be more profitable. You've been a coal miner most of your career. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you got into that. And When I got out of high school, I went to work for Ford Motor Company uh, in Michigan, which that declined with the advent of the Japanese cars coming into the United States. And I got laid off, came back here, and the only jobs there were here that you could make a living at were in the coal industry. That was it. What sort of mine was I, it? No, I first started working in surface mines when I was about 19. Um, I worked for an engineering company that did uh, permit work for surface mining jobs. And that was right about the time that they started doing the mountaintop removal. And so the permit work for mountaintop removal was a big deal because you had to do the hollow fields and you had to do all the water. You had, there was a lot of engineering work in it. And I went to work underground up in the head of Greasy right on the Leslie Harlan County line. Um, it, was, it would have been in 83, 1983. And I worked there until 1990, um, when they, they, Shamrock Coal Company bought a Longwall miner and put it in the head of Middle Fork, okay. the, at the head of the Middle Fork River. And I was a mechanic on that, and an electrician on that Longwall mine. Then the coal industry is a, it's market driven. So it's always been Everybody's working or everybody's drawing unemployment. That's right. the way it always is. Yeah. It's boom so and bust. Boom and bust cycle, yeah. right. Yeah. So I went to work for the, a telephone company there in Hyden, where okay. I live now, and uh, worked for them about five years, learned how to do uh, line construction work, uh, telephone installation, like residential and commercial phone system installation, and... I'd been working at that about five years, and I got a job offer to go to work for Shamrock Coal Company. Okay. Which was a big company yeah. at that time. And the money was so much better 
you know, it was good money. Right. So I went to work for Shamrock. Do most guys that work in the mines for a couple decades end up oh, yeah. with black lung? Yeah, it's anybody like... that works in the mines, even people that work on surface mines. Really? You know, develop black lung. Yeah. yeah. Because you're breathing dust. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I quit. I got a bad chest X-ray. And, and I saw the decline coming in the coal industry. I knew that they were going to take the coal-fired plants offline uh -huh. just because they're so dirty. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're in this energy efficiency program, which is the exact opposite, kind of, in a way, of working in the coal industry uh, because you're trying to save energy instead of um, producing energy, producing fossil fuel energy. So um, tell us a little bit about that internship, how you got into it. and I've always been interested in alternative forms of energy besides coal or natural gas or nuclear or whatever. Uh, there are other forms of energy out there that work. They say, you know, when doesn't work in Kentucky, that's wrong because there are wind operations here in Kentucky. Yeah. Solar's great for here. And uh, so this internship is really a strange thing. The last place I was working, I took some paperwork down to the Mayset office and Les Roll gave me this little packet and said, hey, look at this. So I did. And I applied and got accepted. Yeah. And uh, it's a full paid internship. They treat you just like a full-time employee. Uh -huh. You get uh, all the benefits. Uh, and you learn a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. what, like what sorts of things? Uh, billing analysis, billing envelope performance, solar assessments, wind assessments and you get to go out uh to people's homes and businesses or and like put those things into practice yes like we, during the we go test a building uh we do a light count when we do the audit we check all their appliances coolers whatever they're using and try to figure out ways to reduce their energy consumption at that business to make it more profitable yeah. and actually healthier place for customers and employees. Right. You have an assessment document and you do your test, your blower door test, your duct leakage test. Um, you do lighting count and type of lighting. Just a conversion to LED lighting sometimes in a business can be a huge savings if it's some of the old T12 fluorescent lighting or or some other incandescent lighting is even worse. Yeah. What what are the paybacks on some of the energy efficiency options? Well, we have found businesses uh, or small community organizations that half of their energy consumption is just because of the load that they pull. Right. Okay. okay. See, power companies on businesses in the state of Kentucky, they have what's called a demand charge. Right. And a kind of a way to picture that is 
okay, you have a sink running, uh, a faucet running water into a sink. Okay. Okay. That water in the sink is the kilowatt hours used, but they can also charge you for how fast that water's running out of the faucet. So if you That's turn the dem- faucet on full blast, right. they'll charge you like for the time that the faucet is on full blast kind yep. of? Yep. I see. Uh, demand charge. And, you know, we have found small businesses that half of their usage, <clears throat> their bill is actually demand charge and not kilowatt hours used. Yeah. And do they even know that sometimes? No, a lot of people don't don't understand how an electric Right. Bill works, and that's one of the major things that Mayset teaches us. Okay, like why would their demand charge be high, and then what would they do about that? Okay, say you have old, inefficient T12 fluorescent lighting. Okay, you have old. Say you're a small store, and you have coolers that uh-huh. are old, inefficient coolers. Okay, when your staff comes in in the morning. All the coolers are on. They flip all those lights on. You're in demand charge, right you there. You got a big peak. Yeah, right because there. there's always a peak. Yeah. Uh, when when that happens, and sometimes making a pot of coffee could cost you five bucks. <laughs> if it puts you over. Right? Yeah, if it puts you in peak demand. Yeah. yeah. And so if you're not even looking at what your load is and the timing of those loads, you just don't even know. Right. Exactly. And so what we try to do is reduce what your your peak. With a lighting retrofit, say maybe with a HVAC, air sealing, um, just different things. Hot water, domestic hot water is another big, oh, I bet. big draw. Yeah. You know? It takes a lot of energy to heat water. Right? And keep it hot. Yeah. You know, that water stays hot. Yeah. And some of this new technology they have now, you know, with these heat pump hot water heaters, uh, with these thermostats these new pro uh wi-fi enable programmable thermostats that ramp up or ramp down your temperature in the space that you're occupying yeah at certain times makes them more efficient right just there's so many things now so all of these things would they'll pay for themselves eventually just uh yeah yeah they will pay and sometimes there's a real quick payback okay you know uh, the ISMIGA. We did a lighting retrofit. Uh, new coolers. She saved forty thousand dollars a year. Forty thousand dollars for a grocery store. Yeah, that's a that gives that's, that's a, a lot big of money. chunk of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good salary. Yeah, yeah. She was able to put on a full time person and a part time person after that retrofit. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Some of the things that you find are really simple things, but they make a huge difference, you know, Yeah. in a, in a business's profitability or in a small community organization keeping their doors open. Yeah, or keeping the doors open for the businesses. That's right. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. It just seems like we should be doing this energy efficiency stuff in every house and business in Across the, country, the board. You know? I agree. Mesa's been real proactive uh, with this internship program. Now, when, when I started, I researched it on the Internet a little bit, and there were four people in this whole region that could do this type of testing and analysis. Right? Four people in eastern Kentucky as a well, whole? Well, or... uh, yeah, well, eastern Kentucky, western Virginia, 
southwestern West Virginia, um, northeastern Tennessee, the whole region. Wow. You know, a large region that's underserved in energy efficiency. Yeah. And at the same time, we've we got a lot of people out of work. Hiring more people to do energy efficiency would pay for itself. It's in a lots human resource investment, and, and it would, like, it would help the the homeowners and businesses. It does too, in a permanent way. So, um, so you're almost done with your internship, yes. is that right? So, what are you gonna do next? I'm gonna. I've I've started a business uh, doing energy consulting. Uh, energy efficiency work, retrofits, um, alternative energy installations, and I hope to develop a viable company here in the next little while. That's great. What, uh, what's your territory going to be? Uh, Perry County. Okay. Uh, and really, it's going to be not County, Leslie, Clay, Bale. Yeah. As, as big as Where, you can grow, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. And when... When you're saying uh, alternative energy, are you talking mostly about solar or small wind turbines or? Well, solar mostly right now. Yeah, because the the price has come down on solar installation. Yeah, to about a dollar per kilowatt, mm-hmm. which is pretty good, or a dollar per watt, I guess it is. Yeah, which is pretty good. You know, that's pretty good. Uh, way better than it was, say, even five years ago. Yeah. And so it's feasible now. Now, if we have this, uh, if they pass this SB100 bill, it's it's going to basically kill the incentive for small, low- and middle-income rooftop solar. Yeah. Generally, um, eastern Kentucky and, and all of Appalachia, you know, it the economy has struggled. And... Um, and I guess it's been partly because it's sort it's been so um, so directly tied to coal and the boom and bust cycle, and we're probably done with the boom cycle. Yep. So what do you what do you hope will happen here? Something's got to change. I hope that they uh, come in here with large solar farms. We got acres and acres and acres of mountaintop land with good roads access to the grid um you can drop the carbon footprint of kentucky power hugely right and if they initiate a carbon tax that some of that stuff might happen right but the only way that they'll do i believe the only way they'll do it is if they have to yeah i really do believe that yeah, there's certainly a lot of resistance to yeah. carbon tax. They want to keep everything status quo, and it's beyond that point now. Yeah, with the global warming, yeah, and carbon emissions. Well, you are you're clearly uh, like a good predictor of things. <laughs> Since in 1992, you were thinking the coal industry was going to suffer, and I'm sure there were there were plenty of people that thought it was going to keep plowing ahead. No, there's still people for decades. That think that. There's still people that think it's going to come back. So if you had to make a prediction about when uh, we might end up with a carbon tax or some kind of serious initiative to 
address greenhouse gas emissions and and to invest in clean energy when do you think that will be uh boy that's a hard one really because it just depends on the powers that be yeah you know it really does there there has to be a reason for investors to come here Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, one of the things, Duke Energy in North Carolina is what they're actually doing. They've, they've initiated a program where they go and lease rooftops on small businesses, on apartment buildings, and they put uh, solar installations on those rooftops. And those people pay for that with credit on there because they're feeding the grid. Yeah. See, if that puts it out in the world, not right. just for somebody doing research and development, right? Yeah. It's it's an actual thing that's working. That is one of the drivers of their research and development now on on solar installation and new new types of solar rigs that they have they're they're making great strides and it's helping the businesses, it's helping people that own apartment buildings. All right. Well, thanks so much, John. It was great talking to you. Well, thank you. It was sure fun. Yeah. I appreciate y'all having us. Good to meet you. Although there was an outpouring of public opposition, Senate Bill 100 was passed by the Kentucky legislature in its closing hours this year. This bill will make it more difficult for homeowners to recoup the costs of solar installations and will hinder the growth of what was a budding solar industry. Supporters of renewable energy and solar power vow to continue the fight for clean energy in Kentucky. On the show today, we heard Rachel Norton, Frank Morris, and John Kraft, who were interviewed by David Butler. You can hear more from these folks on the Clean Power Planet podcast. Mesa continues to have openings for new energy interns. Search online for Mesa Jobs New Energy Interns. The internship program is supported in part by the Appalachian Regional Commission. This story and others about diversifying our Appalachian economy are available as podcasts and online at makingconnectionsnews.org. This is Mimi Pickering reporting for WMMT, Mountain Community Radio. Thanks for listening.